Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs, the series where I break down a bit of the Bible to get you to look at it more. In this episode, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 10 verses, oh, about 24 through 33. Yeah, I'm making sure I get my numbers right. Matthew chapter 10 verses 24 through 33. We're still in the context of Jesus's second public sermon, at least the second one recorded by Matthew. And so let's take just a brief look back at that at these two sections that have preceded us before we go into the third one. Think about the the idea of chapter 10 as a whole. It's Jesus' second sermon, his first sermon being the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7. That emphasizes a lot about the character of the people who are going to make up the kingdom of heaven. We've come through a couple chapters of... Um, Oh, what's it called? Historical background and, and the context driving the story forward, this kind of narration. And then we hit chapter 10, in which Jesus preaches a second time, not about the people who make up the kingdom of heaven, but rather some workers in the kingdom of heaven and what the job is. What does that job entail? We're going to talk about that. And so in the first section, roughly verses 5 through 15, you know, in the first section, Jesus is talking to his 12, his 12 apostles or disciples. They're called both of these things in this chapter. He's talking to his 12, and he says, hey, okay, here's your job. You're to go out and preach. You're to go out to preach to the Jews. You're to go out to preach about the kingdom. You're to um, not provide for yourself. God's going to provide for you, and a few other specific commands like that. You know, and we've talked about this idea before, I'll go ahead and bring it up again, that these specifics don't apply to us, given that in this context it is very specifically to a group of just these 12 people, and also the idea that these commands get replaced later on, but there are still good principles to take out of this chapter. So his, his first section is on what they're supposed to be doing. His second section that we looked at last episode about verses 16 through 23 is a section that says, hey, okay, so you may be underestimating what's going on here. It's it's actually a scary prospect. And so, look, you're sheep among wolves in verse 16. In verse 17, you're going to be handed over to the courts. You're going to be flogged in their synagogues. You're going to be brought before the courts. Um, you're going to have to defend yourself in front of kings and Gentiles, you're going to have to be forced into these situations, which are not very pleasant. This is what you're going to have to suffer. That might not be immediately then, but it's certainly coming in the future. And then in verse 21 and 22, um, and, and 23 as well, remember this, you're, you're not safe with your family, right? It's not just outsiders that are against you. No, now it's insiders as well. Your family could potentially tear itself apart, even even to the point of killing members of your family because you believe in different things. You're going to be hated by everyone, but in verse 22, the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's your promise. There's your promise of, of hope. And so this is not just a job Jesus is giving them to torture them. This is not just a job that they're getting so that they get really, really oppressed and put upon and just have terrible lives. Now, there's a point to all of this. Jesus is trying to, to help 
them. And so they've got a teaching job. Yeah, there are a bunch of negatives, and, and I'm not downplaying that at all, but there's also some positive there, and they need to account for that. Now that we vaguely are oriented in this chapter, let's look at verse 24. Matthew chapter 10, let's start reading in verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher, and a slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? Therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim it on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. Even the hair of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Think about what Jesus is saying here. He's coming off of a section where family is set against family. You're going to be hated by everybody. You're going to be run out of town. People are not going to like you very much. And what does he say about it? Well, you should have expected it. Because that's how they treat me. Look at that in verse 24. A disciple not above his teacher, a slave not above his master, rather, the disciple's aiming to be like his teacher, right? You can, as a learner, I mean, sure, you might be able to figure other things out that your instructor, that your professor didn't, but if you never had his instruction in the first place, you probably didn't learn very much. Everything you get, you learn from somewhere, and then you can add some more on top of it. But if you never had that learning, you're never going to be on that level. Maybe, yes, they, they will reveal more things than Jesus did, or at least as far as, as far as what is written goes. Paul reveals a couple more things about Jesus than Jesus reveals about himself. And yet, that's the, that's the disciple being like his teacher. If they persecute the teacher, they will persecute the learner. And the learner cannot exist without the teacher. The learner wants to be like the teacher, and that includes getting persecuted. Did they run did they ever run Jesus out of a town? Yeah, there was that one instance where they tried to stone him. Right? There there was that one instance where that happens did they ever just ignore jesus because they didn't want to listen to him yeah his his family does that later on in chapter 12 i think it is um i, I just went over it it's in it's in chapter 12 maybe chapter 13 people don't listen to him it's in the end of chapter 13 people don't want to listen to him and so they just don't are the disciples going to escape that when they're when they emulate their master, are they going to escape all of the things that he faced? No, if you, take, if you take the master's message and go out and spread it and even go out and further that, then the persecution against you is generally going to get worse and not better. And so they go out, they start teaching about this, they, they are going to face some rejection. Therefore, I want you to catch this, because this is important, Look at verse 26. 
Therefore, because they're going to reject you, because you're going to be like me, and they're going to want to push back against you and fight you, in verse 26, therefore, because of that, don't be afraid of them. Now, hang on. Think about that. Think about what he's saying. He's saying, don't be afraid of them because they hate you and because everything's going to go badly. Now, you would think, if everything was going to go badly, that's why you should be afraid of them. Jesus flips that on its head, and he says, no, don't be afraid of them. Because why? Everything's going to be known one day. Right? Everyone's going to know everything one day, and so don't be afraid of them because they reject you right now. They are going to learn, and either you teach them right now and some of them listen, or you don't teach and all of them get condemned. Don't be afraid. You have to listen to what Jesus is saying. Don't fear those. Right? He picks up this theme in verse 28. And this is where you really kind of get that picture. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear the one who can destroy. Who is that? Well, that's God. <laughs> right? Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's not the devil. The devil's not in charge of hell. No, God's in charge of it god's the one who's in control fear god don't be afraid of them sure you get rejected just like jesus got rejected don't be afraid of them god's message is way more important than your fear one of those has got to be spread and one of those has got to get out if you if you spread your fear <laughs> and push God's message out and ignore it, then what's that consequence but, but destruction? Whereas if you push out your fear and you spread God's message, what's your consequence except joy? What's your consequence except protection and, and safety? Maybe not physically, but, but safety, at least in the eternal sense. Look at verse 29, look at verse 30 and 31. This is a picture, back to Matthew chapter 6 even, Matthew chapter 6 in verse like 25-ish and, and moving on there. You know those birds, they don't do anything for themselves and yet God takes care of them. Aren't you a whole lot more important? You know these sparrows, they're not worth much and yet if they die, that's because God saw them, God knew about it. God knows the hair on your head. God knows you better than you know yourself. He's watching out for you more than you watch out for yourself. So why fear? Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be cowed into silence. It's not worth what you're going to get. All right, you get a little bit of peace now and a whole lot of war later. Or you can have a little bit of difficulty now and a whole lot of joy later. Which one do you want? That's what God offers. And so don't fear those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Fear him who's able to destroy both of them. If you, if you want to be motivated by fear, here is God. He is scary. If you want to be motivated by love, here is God. He is wonderful. Don't be afraid of them. doesn't matter what you're motivated by. 
do not be afraid to speak the message of God. Do you see a little bit of an application in that, maybe, hopefully? Do you see a little bit of a way that that seems relevant to us today? So I think it's right there. And I hope it's apparent. Look at verse 32. We'll look at verses 32 and 33 and then end off. Um, but I do want to cover these two things at, at the very end. Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Okay, so remember, this is addressed to 12 specific men, right? 12 specific men, twelve. Uh, well, not 12 jobs, 12 men, one job, I guess. Um, but remember who this is addressed to, these apostles. They've got the job of teaching. And so when Jesus says, hey, you're going to be hated by everybody, but when you endure to the end, in verse 22, you'll be saved— you know, okay, teachers have to face that. What if you're not called to be a teacher? What if you're not called to be a, 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 an evangelist, right? Then do you still have that requirement that you have to endure to the end, that you have to be hated by everyone, that you have to like go out and actively work so often and so frequently to spread the word of God in every town and every city, and that's what you have to dedicate your life to? Well, if you're not called to that, if God does not expect that of you, then why does God expect that of you? And so, in a sense, you could kind of hand wave verse 22 and say, yes, but that's for them, that's for their job, that's not important for me. If you're looking at verse 26, don't be afraid of them, right? You look at verse 28, don't fear those who kill the body, fear him who's able to, to destroy both body and soul in hell. Okay, so for these teachers, that's super important that they not be cowards, that they not hide things because God's going to reveal them at the end. It's very, very important that they're brave, that they speak up, that they work for the Lord without fear, without intimidation, without cowardice at all. We can hand wave over those verses and say, yeah, that's for the apostles, right? That's for the teachers. But when you get to the verse 20, uh, 32, and, and I'm not suggesting that you should hand wave those ideas. I'm saying it's possible to. But when you look at verse 32 and 33, everyone who will acknowledge me before others and whoever denies me before others, is that just a thing for people who teach? No. No, it's clearly not. In, in, no longer just a thing for the people who teach. Everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will acknowledge him. Whoever denies me, I will also deny him. That's very clearly something that, it, it's not just apostles, it's not just preachers who are dealing with that. No, anyone has the choice to acknowledge or, or ignore God. And so there's your two options. If you haven't gotten the idea that you're going to be judged based off of what you do before. If you've hand-waved over all those other ideas, you cannot, you cannot get rid of this one. You can if you want to ignore it. But if you're actually listening to what Jesus is saying, you cannot ignore this. It's relevant to everyone, not just teachers. 
And so here's here's ultimately why you do this. Why why should you not be afraid? Why should you fear God? Why should you not be afraid of them? Why should you work? Why what's the point of being persecuted, of going through all of this work, of going through this danger, legitimate danger? What's the point of all of this? In whatever way you acknowledge Jesus before other people, Jesus acknowledges you. And if you don't acknowledge Jesus, he's not going to acknowledge you. You want to talk about eternal consequences? We're preparing for them right now. So are we those people who acknowledge Jesus before others, or are we the people who deny him before others? Which one are we going to be? Which person are you? You know, the Bible is not really a complicated book. I maintain this. Um, I, I consistently maintain this idea. The Bible is not a difficult book. There are some difficult ideas in there, some complicated passages, and yeah, there's some stuff that I don't exactly understand how to use it. But overall, if you want to look at the message of the Bible, the message of the Bible is do good and good will be done to you. Do evil and evil and bad will be done to you, right? Do good, you receive good. Do evil, you receive evil. You receive punishment in that sense of the word. Which one do you want? That's what it comes down to. If you want to talk about the message of the Bible, that's what the message of the Bible is. You want to do good or evil? You want to be rewarded or you want to be punished? That's that's the call and that's the question. Specifically here, this is the apostle's job. But think about how we can also use that idea. Reward and punishment. Going out or staying in. Speaking out or being afraid. Which one are we going to be? That's the question Jesus asks of the people who are willing to spread his kingdom. In chapter 10 of Matthew, what are you willing to do about it? Not, Not just speak about it. What are you willing to do? How are you willing to live? There are going to be consequences based off of what you've done. Whether good or ill, you'll get rewarded or you'll get punished. I've set before you life and death, so choose life that you might live. That's what Moses said all the way back in Deuteronomy. And those words still hold true today. So that's where we'll leave off. We'll pick up with the last few verses of chapter 10 next time and go ahead and finish up. Um, probably just finish up Jesus's second sermon, Um, maybe go over it a little bit, think about how it pieces together, and that'll be it for Matthew chapter 10. Thank you for listening. I hope it's been helpful. I hope that considering these ideas, uh, whether reconsidering them or realizing them for the first time, I hope that that's been helpful to you and that you'll benefit out of it. I I have. I always do when I talk through this stuff, so I hope you do when you listen to it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it's benefited you, and I'll see you on the next episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs.